The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good to see everyone this morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to, I'm going to apologize for my voice now. Um, I have allergies and, and uh, I take allergy medications, but some days it just seems like it doesn't help any, but this is one of those days. All right, Acts chapter 1. And we'll begin looking at verse number, we'll just look at two verses, verse 13 and 14. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let's pray before we get into our study. Lord, thank you for your word, and I pray this morning you'd instruct us, and uh, just remind us, Lord, of these important things that we'll discuss today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, in our study of the model of the church last time, uh, we, we said that uh, it was a unified church, and we looked at we looked at those things that uh, um, pertain to the, the church at Jerusalem. We, we said, if you remember, uh, the best model to follow is the model that is closest to the original. And so um, the church at Jerusalem, being the, the first church established after Christ uh, departed this earth, uh, that's the church we should emulate because they were, the, they were the church that was closest to the model that Jesus left them. So we looked at that, and we looked at the fact that it was a unified church. And so um, today, this morning, I'd like to continue by examining another of its characteristics. <clears throat> so second, I'd like to just say it was a praying church. If you notice again in verse 14 that we just read, we read there, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we read, pray without ceasing. Now, this church in Jerusalem continued uh, in prayers and, and, and in supplications. They, they were consistent in their praying. And that's very important. We're commanded by the Lord to pray without ceasing. Now, of course, we need to understand that this is not to say that we should be always on our knees or ever lifting our hands and vocally calling upon God. That, this is not the teaching of that verse. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, uh, the Bible is not functionally saying don't ever stop praying because that, that would be very difficult to do, wouldn't it? Such a practice would prevent or infringe upon the time necessary for other parts of religious worship, as well as the duties of civil life. So we all have things that we have to accomplish, things that we have to do, which 
which means if we spent all of our time in prayer and fasting and and in supplications to God, we, we wouldn't be doing the other things which are important as well. Um, besides, this would be very impracticable. For however willing a spiritual man might be to be engaged in prayer always and at all times, his flesh is weak and would not be able to physically bear that. I mean, uh, I remember years ago when I was a young, just just saved. Uh, I remember hearing some preachers say, ah, you need to pray for two hours a day. You need to pray for three hours a day. So I, I go away and I think, all right, we're going we're gonna to have an hour-long session of prayer here, Lord. And I'd get down on my knees and I'd start praying and I'd pour my heart out and I'd give it to the Lord. And I'd look at my watch and it had been five minutes. And I say, how in the world am I going to get 55 more minutes here? Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes your heart is, is burdened. And sometimes you, you start to pray and without even realizing it, you spend 30, 45 minutes praying. Other times, you get down on your knees and you pray and it takes you five minutes. And you're done. Does that make you, does it make you more spiritual when you pray for an hour or does it make you less spiritual if you only pray for five minutes? Well, some churches would say yes. Some churches would say, well, man, don't you love the Lord? Can't you spend an hour? You know what they do? They take what Jesus told Peter when he said, can you not spend an hour in prayer? And, and what the Lord is saying is, Peter, can't, can't you keep your eyes open for just one hour and, and spend a little time praying? That's what he was actually saying. He wasn't telling Peter to spend an hour in prayer. So they say, well, uh, you know, we have to take the Bible literally. So we get to pray for an hour. Well, you know what I say to those? Well, the Bible says um, Judas went out and hanged himself. Are you going to do that too? No, we're not. So we need to understand that while we are commanded to pray without ceasing, this is not talking about a, a constant posture of prayer. Our body requires food, drink, sleep and rest for its refreshment and support. For all which uh, there must be time allowed. And as well as for other actions of life and business of, of a man's calling. So the meaning here is that believers should be consistently found in prayer. Uh, this is what he's talking about when he says pray without ceasing. We should consistently come to the Lord. Every, every day we should spend time in prayer with the Lord. Now, that, again, that prayer may take may take five minutes. It may take thirty minutes. It may take an hour. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take you to pray on any given day and in any given instant in your life. As I said, I've had times when I, I find myself deeply in in prayer to God and spending more time than than at other times. But we need to be consistent. We need to come to the Lord daily for our our our, our needs. The things that we, we have need of. Now the Father knows that we have need of these things, but we still need to come to him and express to him our dependence upon him and our needs and, uh, and, and, and the needs of others. Uh, we, we have prayer lists. And the reason we have a prayer list is to remind us what to pray about. So we need to be consistently praying. The Ethiopian version renders the words pray frequently rather than um, uh, pray without ceasing. 
So we need to be often in prayer and consistently in prayer. Uh, this, this would imply that we're not to cease from preaching. That we're to, we're to, uh, not leave off praying, uh, <coughs> through the prevalence of sin or the temptation of Satan. We're going to be tempted to neglect our, our prayer life. To not come to the, to the Lord. And again, the Lord knows what we need. I mean, we, we, we could argue the fact that God already knows what I need and, 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 and so for me to come to him and pray for the things I need that he already knows that I need is kind of like saying I don't depend on, I don't, I don't believe that he knows and I'm not sure he'll give it to me. Well, that's not the case at all. Growing up, I knew what my children needed and I, I would provide for them, but it was awful nice too to have them come over and ask for it, wasn't it? Especially this time of the year, kids ask for a lot of things. And they're also much more helpful around the house and, and those types. And they're very obedient. And they remind you that they're obedient. Yeah, they are. Now, we're to be consistent. We're not to quit through discouragement. Because an answer is not immediately found. Or through carelessness or, or negligence. <laughs> uh, we're not a patient generation. We're an instant generation. We live in an instant world. Uh, it's amazing sometimes. You don't have to wait for anything anymore. You know that? You, you don't even have to wait for packages to be delivered. But by the time you, online now, I don't know if you've discovered this, but by the time you click pay, it's at your door. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. They got this. I think my wife is a member of this Amazon Prime. Yeah, they're always asking each other, is it Prime? Is what Prime? Prime numbers? Uh, prime beef? I mean, what, is, what are you talking about? But we live in an instant generation. And I, I especially find this true about young people. They're so impatient. They're not willing to wait for anything. Uh, most of you, some of you are around my age, and when we were kids and we wanted something, it might take us six months to get it. Because we had to go out and earn the money to buy it, first of all. Then, then if, if it had to be ordered, uh, you know, wow, it took forever to get something. But we learned what? Patience. You learn to be patient and wait for that thing. But not anymore. <laughs> we're an instant generation. And it's bled over into the Christ, young Christian's prayer life. They're not patient enough to be persistent and consistent in prayer to God. So we need to, we need to continue and, 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 and be consistent in our prayer life. Imagine for a moment a stone cutter hammering away at a rock 100 times. So imagine for a moment a stone cutter and he's standing there and he's going he's gonna to build a statue and he's, he starts pounding on that rock. And he pounds and he pounds and he pounds. 100 blows. And then finally on the 101st blow when he pounds it splits. Now was it that one blow that did the job? No, it was the 100 that preceded it. He was, he was persistent until he broke the stone. And, and that's the way we need to be in prayer. I don't have time to, to go through the, the text and, 
and, and, and everything else. But the Bible talks about a man who had a friend. Everybody remember this story? A man who had a friend came to him in the middle of the night. And, and he, by tradition, he, he was to put food before his friend, but he had no food. He had nothing to put before his friend. So he ran to his neighbor's house and he knocks on the door and says, um, my friend has come on a journey. Lend me three loaves. And the guy calls out from inside the, the house and says, ah, we're all in bed here asleep. Go away. But he didn't leave. He kept knocking and he kept knocking and he continued and he continued and he didn't give up until finally the man got up and opened the door and just threw the loaves of bread out to him. Said, here, take these and get out of here. Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. And, and that, that was a lesson Jesus taught on the persistence we need in prayer. So we have to be consistent. We can't just pray once or twice and, and then say, oh, well, God is not listening. Uh, no, we must stay with that prayer. We must stay on it. And, and if, if God gets tired, by the way, if he gets tired of hearing you pray for that thing, he will let you know. Paul kept praying to the Lord for deliverance from some infirmity he had. And the Lord finally came to Paul and said, my grace is sufficient for you. He let Paul know, no, stop it. And he'll do the same for us. Uh, so we, we see these, these, the importance of prayer. This, this church in Jerusalem, they were, they were unified and they were all together in one place and they continued in prayer and fasting and in supplications. And that's important. So I want to share with you uh, this morning 12 reasons for prayer. And I'm not going to spend time, a lot of time developing these. I'm going to give you the, these with the scriptures and I encourage you to go and, and do a Bible study on, on, on the, um, the reasons you, we should pray. Number one, the first reason we should pray is because prayer defeats the devil. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Prayer defeats Satan. He will run from you when you submit yourself to the Lord. When you come before the Lord and you bow your knee in prayer, in the presence of the Lord, the devil will flee. He will run away from you. So prayer defeats the devil. Number two, prayer saves the sinner. Luke chapter 18 and verse 13, we read, And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes in heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now the prayer of a, of a lost man praying unto the Lord will save his soul as well as the prayers of the righteous going before the Lord and petitioning for, for that soul. Again, we must be consistent. I have been praying for my mother and father's salvation. I, I haven't stopped. I'm not going to stop until they're no longer here. Because the, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth little. Is that what the Bible says? No, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And I don't know, but that the Lord is, in his own time, will save my mother and father. 
He may not, but he might. And I am going to continue in prayer and not cease until that time. We must be, we must understand that uh, when we have a friend or a family member who we know is lost and needs the Lord, we must fervently pray for that soul. And prayer saves the sinner. Number three, prayer restores the backslider. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. There it is here. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer restores the backslider. Um, if we love one another, then we're going to be concerned about one another. And when we see a brother or sister doing something they shouldn't be doing, our love should compel us to pray for that person and to, to bring that person before the Lord in prayer and pray that God would open their eyes and, and cause them to see their error. Now, be, But be careful because the reason some people won't pray for that backslider is because they're afraid the Lord might send them to that backslider. This, this, this comes in to play where the Bible says to sanctify the Lord in your hearts. That you might have, a, that you might be able to give answer for the reason of the fear that is in you. Listen, that scripture doesn't necessarily mean lost people are going to come to you. That, that scripture, remember the Bible is written to God's people. That verse can also be applied to you having enough enough strength and knowledge in the word to go to a fallen brother or sister and restore that one. What does the Bible say about the feeble? Uh, we're to lift them up and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So our prayers can restore backslidden Christians. And that, that should be the desire of our hearts, is to see all of God's people rejoicing and worshiping and serving him. Number four, prayer strengthens the saints. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm kind of like David. I'm old and I've been young, but I've never seen a person come out of a prayer meeting feeling less strong in the Lord than they did before they went in. Prayer always strengthens your, your heart. It always strengthens your soul. You can't, there's never a time you'll, you'll go into prayer, into fervent prayer, where you won't come out stronger. And, 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 and prayer strengthens your own heart, your own mind. It gives you zeal for the Lord. And Jude, the, the 20th and 21st verse of Jude, we read, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Build up, build up yourselves on your faith, and you do that through prayer. Number five, prayer sends forth laborers. Matthew chapter nine, the thirty-seventh and thirty-eighth verses. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. That he will send forth laborers into his harvest. 
And prayer sends forth laborers in, in our own community, praying for the lost in our community, praying for the, the harvest that we have here, compels the Lord to, to, to send people to us and to join us in our, in our work here at Berean so we can go out into our community and, and proclaim the gospel. Prayer, uh, prayer compels people within our church. Uh, some of these young people in our church sitting in the room over there, the, the teenagers, uh, it may be that but one of those are being called by the Lord to the mission field. And we need to pray for that. Lord, we pray for our youth. We pray, Lord, that you would call them into your service, that you would send them forth to preach the gospel. What's going to happen if the younger generation is not compelled to preach? Do you ever stop and think about that? I praise the Lord for Pastor Smith. But Pastor Smith is not going to live forever. He is going to, his time will be over. And, and, and the Lord will call someone else and send someone else. But, but these young children that we're raising, uh, <laughs> we need to raise them with a heart to serve. And we need to pray that the Lord would, 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 would stir them in their hearts and call them forth to the labors. Number six, prayer heals the sick. Now, be careful. I'm not talking about faith healing here. I'm not talking about standing up here and slapping you on the forehead and have you throw your, your canes out of the way. I heard a story once about a, a faith healer and he called up a man and the man came up with his, with his walker and he asked him, he said, what's your name? He said, my name is Fritz. He said, well, Fritz, uh, what do you want from the Lord? He said, I want to be able to walk. He said, all right, Fritz. He said, you go behind that wall right there. And then he called another man forward and he said, he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Michael. He says, Michael? What do you want of the Lord? He says, I, I, I want to be able to, 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 to talk without stuttering. He said, all right, then you go on behind the wall with Fritz there. And he did his thing. And then he, he calls out, Fritz, throw out your walker. And you see this walker come flying out from behind the wall. And then he says, Michael, speak. Michael said, fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa. Fritz, Fritz fell down. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of healing. Prayer heals the sick. We think about Pam. Pam is very ill. And we don't know the Lord's will. But it may be his will that this run his course, it may be his will that he, he restores her health to his glory. Either way, it's to his glory, by the way. But we don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, my wife and I are praying for Pam. We pray for her healing. Prayer heals the sick. James says in chapter 5 of his book, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing pray psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and prayer and the prayer of the faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The prayers of, the, of God's people can save the sick, can heal the sick. Number seven, prayer glorifies the name of God. In Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. He's talking about prayer right there. Open thy mouth wide. Pray before the Lord. Make your prayers known. Prayer glorifies the name of God. And by the way, when you get answers to prayer, share it. Share the glory. Tell people about it. Don't be ashamed to tell people about the prayers that God has answered in your life. Number eight, prayer accomplishes the impossible. I don't have time to read, uh, but in Acts chapter 12, we read the story about Peter in prison. Peter was in prison. Uh, he was between two guards, as a matter of fact. Had a guard sleeping on both sides of him in the middle of the night. And God's people were in a prayer meeting praying for Peter's deliverance. And an angel came to the cell in the middle of the night and removed uh, Peter's fetters, opened the door, and, and set him free. Can you imagine what those guards must have thought when they woke up in the morning and Peter was gone? Prayer accomplishes the impossible. You know, to, the, to, to us as humans, not all things are possible, but to God... Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. So pray. Prayer accomplishes the impossible. Number nine, prayer imparts wisdom. James chapter one, verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If we pray for wisdom, God will grant us wisdom. Number 10, prayer bestows peace. Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You have conflict in your life? You have strife or trouble in your life? Go to the Lord in prayer and pray about those things. And the peace of God will come upon you. Number 11, prayer delivers from sin. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, so many people misinterpret this verse. People go through life and say, oh, well, God will never, never test me with anything that I'm not able to handle. That's not what that verse is saying. That's not what that verse is saying. That ver- what that verse is saying is you're going to be tempted just like every other man is tempted. But God has given you a way to defeat that temptation. And that is prayer. 
Just go to the Lord and pray that he would relieve you, of, that he would take away this temptation, that he would give you strength, and that he would help you to overcome it and defeat it. Remember, greater is he that is in who? You than he that is in the world. You are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Number 12, prayer reveals God's will. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now, here, what Jesus is talking about is praying about the will of God. Ask God to show you his will. And he will show you. The thing is, sometimes we're not looking for that. Sometimes we're looking in the wrong places. Sometimes we're not still and quiet. I used to teach this verse to the teenagers, and what I would do is get one of them to stand, and I'd I'd bring up another teenager, and I'd have them all start talking to each other at the same time. And all of a sudden, you had this teenager standing here with all this noise around them. And I stood off to the side and quietly called their name. Can you hear me? Remember, remember what Jesus taught Elijah? The great wind came and the the thunder and the storm and the fires and (coughs) all these things. And God was found in none of those. But what came along? A small what? Voice. A small voice. And that was the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes we don't hear God because we're too busy. We got too much noise around us. And we're not listening and looking for the Lord. And prayer, those times in prayer reveals the will of God. When we slow down, when we get away and we get quiet and we pray and we ask the Lord and we listen for his answer. He reveals to us. Why would he hide it from us? He, God doesn't want to hide his will from us. He wants us to do his will, does he not? So he's going to reveal it to us if we're looking for it. So we go back to our text verse and says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now I have five minutes left and I'm never going to get through this next point. So I'll just give you the point real quickly and I'll, I'll take a little time next time. To go over it. Second, I want to say they were in accord in prayer. Matthew chapter 18. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Now, these all learn how to get things from God. They also learn to avoid those things that would hinder their prayers. So real quickly, I'm going to give you a list of things that will hinder prayer. And again, I don't have time to read the verses or develop these. That'll be your homework uh, until we meet again. Number one, what hinders our prayers? Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart... 
the Lord will not hear me. Number two, what, what hinders our prayers? Insincerity. Insincerity. When we do things for the Lord with, with, with a, an ulterior motive, we're not sincere in the things we do. Matthew 6, 5, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. So we see insincere prayer. Number three, what, what hinders our prayer life? Carnal motives. James chapter 4 and verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Carnal motives. We go to the Lord and pretend to have his interest, his will at heart, but all we really want is God's blessings to use for ourselves. Um, number four, unbelief. Unbelief, James chapter 1, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Unbelief. When we come to the Lord, and, and, and unbelief will hinder our prayers. Number five, domestic problems. Husband and wives being at odds with each other. Husband and wives uh, not living uh, their life as the Lord desires that they live as husband and wife. Says, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Number six, pride. Pride hinders our prayer lives. Uh, Luke chapter 18, two men went up into the uh, temple to pray, the, the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee boasts of his greatness. Boast of his pride. Boast that, hey, I don't live like, even, even like this, this publican. I tithe and I do this and I do that. Pride. But the humble publican pound upon his breast saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. What, what, um, hinders our prayers? Number seven, robbing God. Robbing God. In Joshua chapter seven, we see the sin of Achan. Everybody remember the sin of Achan? When they entered the city of Jericho, Achan stole some silver and, and some garments and he hid them in his, in his tent. And the Lord, uh, the Lord took his blessings off the people and the next battle they lost and, and, and men died and they repented and, and they, they were weeping and the Lord told Joshua, get up, why are you crying? Go over there to that tent and take a look at what's over there. Robbing God hinders prayer life. Number eight, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Go to you. He said, go to your brother and be restored to your brother. Then come and give me your gift. Listen, your prayers will be hindered if you, if you are harboring ill will or if you are, if you are harboring um, revenge against another person. Forgive. Go to them and, and, and make it right. You say, but I didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't matter. You go to them and you make it right. If they don't forgive you, that's, that's their problem. But you forgive them and you go to them and you make it right. And then lastly, number nine, and I've got to stop with this, rebellion. Rebellion. Proverbs chapter one, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not, all my counsel and would none of my reproof. 
I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Rebellion hinders your prayers. Now, folks, that's all the time I have today. I had to rush through those. As I said, I might, I might address this a little bit more next, next time, but probably not, because if I keep doing that, we'll never get done with this study. Prayer is important. Prayer is, prayer is our greatest gift from God. So let's remember that. All right, folks, that's all the time I have this morning. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.